Now, this is our second week in this little book of Ruth. Uh, We begin to see in this chapter really what the book of Ruth is doing. It's a wonderful picture of what human life can be, what it should be, what life under God's guidance, his commands is like, how much better it is. But even more, uh, it is a picture, actually, of God himself and his rescue of us. It's a picture of how we find God's favour, God's kindness in life. So just a a little recap. Um, You see, this chapter begins with Naomi returning from Moab with her daughter-in-law, Ruth. Last week, we saw how uh, the family of Naomi with her husband Elimelech, moved to escape a famine to the country of Moab. They moved away from God's people to a different land. And while they were there, deep tragedy struck. First of all, her husband died. Her two sons married uh, two local girls. But firstly, there were no children uh, to either marriage, and then both of those sons died. And so Naomi and her two daughters-in-law were left entirely alone in a foreign country, which in a time without any kind of safety net, without any kind of universal credit, was a desperate, desperate situation. And so Naomi thinks, uh, I'll go back to my own land at least. It'll still be desperate there, but it'll be a little better. So she she turns to go back, and one of her daughters-in-law, Orpah, goes back to her own family and stays in her her country of Moab. But one of them makes a commitment that she will go wherever Naomi goes. She will always stay with her. Her people will become her people. Her God, will be Naomi's God, will become her God. And she will stay there and even be buried in the same place. She will not stop looking after this elderly mother-in-law of hers. And so we come to this week. We have these two women coming home to Bethlehem, to their their own town. But they are desperately poor. And, you know, at this point in the story, you'd love more detail. You know, where where did they sleep? Did they go to an old half-falling-down family home? Or did they have to sleep on a friend's couch or sleep rough? I mean, we don't know. The, The Bible doesn't paint all these details. But we know that their situation was absolutely desperate. Um, and, and to make it worth, Ruth is from Moab. These are the enemies of, of the Israelites where they've come to live among. Think of the Russian men uh, who is running to escape conscription are going to countries like Georgia, where Russia has been at war with them for years. And they get that. she's going to get the same kind of warm welcome they do. They are de- empty and they are desperate. Now, remember, Ruth has thrown herself on God. She said, your God will be my God. And we're going to see in this chapter what's going to happen. Will this God, on whom she's thrown herself, come through for her? Now that they've come to God's people, are they going to find favor? Are they going to find grace or not? And that, that's the, the question of the chapter, really. We'll see in, in verse 2. Ruth says, you know, she's, she's going to find someone who will show her some favor, some kindness. What they will find is more than that. They'll find a redeemer, someone who is going to let them have not just a few isolated incidents of kindness and favor, but a lasting relationship of of favor and kindness. So firstly, we're going to uh, look uh, at verses 1 to 11, in which they discover the redeemer that is going to rescue them. 
Now, I know some of you are big readers. Perhaps some of you have read uh, stories by, say, Dickens or Austen. They were written at a time, not unlike Ruth, where if you were poor, you could literally starve to death. You know, the government isn't going to step in. In Ruth's day, after all, they don't even have a government, so they're going to be in trouble. Well, in, in a lot of those stories, Dickens or Austen, there's often some rich uncle who turns up in the story. When people are in really dire straits. And you've got, you, if the, the rich uncle is mentioned, you know, everyone is hoping that rich uncle is going to do something for his poor, impoverished relatives. This story begins a little like that. The first verse, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. Man of standing. In other words, he's, he's a big cheese in the local community. He's well off. He's a solid, reliable guy. So the very first Thing that happens at the beginning of this chapter is, incidentally, there's the rich uncle. Just keep that and remember it. It might not be literally an uncle, but that's what's going on here. He's well, just mentioning right at the beginning of the story, there is a hope that perhaps this guy might do something for them. Ruth doesn't know anything about that, though. And Ruth knows she needs help, as we said in verse 2. Let me go to the fields, pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. We need some people to be kind to us. And that word favour, you know, we use the word grace a lot in Christianity in the New Testament. And it just means undeserved favour, undeserved kindness. That's what she's looking for. And it's the barley harvest. And the one thing you could do if you were really, really desperate is that you could go to the fields after the harvesters and pick up all the stalks of grain that they'd missed, that they'd left behind. And she decides to do that. Uh, probably the modern equivalent is... Uh, you know, sometimes you, if you return a tin or a bottle to the shop you got it from, you might get a little bit of cash. So going around picking up tin cans or bottles. Um, or maybe going around to the supermarket after uh, closing time to see if the bins have got any food that they've chucked out. Well, the thing is that God had commanded his people to be really, really kind to people in that kind of situation. In Leviticus 19, he'd said to them, be holy. Because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And one of the ways he laid out to be holy was to show kindness to people in desperate situations. So he said, when you reap the harvest of your land, don't reap to the very edges of the field. In other words, make sure there's some grain left at the edges. And don't gather the gleanings of your harvest. In other words, the stalks that drop, don't go over it again. Don't be hyper-efficient. Don't make sure you get every grain for yourself. Leave some behind for poor people and foreigners, people who are in real trouble to pick up. You know, they, they were obliged to help the poor. They were obliged to give gifts, interest-free loans, to look after people in their community. But here was a chance for poor people and people who are really struggling on the edge, not just to receive handouts, but also to have a little bit of work for themselves so that they were able to do something for themselves. Uh, you know, if, if any of you have been made redundant, um, I've only tried it once. Um, I was pretty lucky. I fell on my feet. My wife had a job. I still wouldn't really like to repeat the experience. So being able to have a little work to do when you're in a situation like that is a really good thing. Well, Ruth, off she goes to see if she can pick up some of that grain to glean behind the harvesters. And it just happens. As it turned out, it says, she, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz. They just told us about Boaz, the rich relative, and wink, wink, just by chance, she just happens to happen on this field about this guy she doesn't even know about. Interesting coincidence, or not. 
And a little later, Boaz arrives from town. His first words show he's someone who takes God seriously. His greeting is, the Lord be with you. And the people answer back, the, the Lord bless you. He looks from the start that hopefully this is a guy whose religion isn't just about the way he worships on uh, Saturday, as it would be for them. It looks like the whole of his life is affected by God. And he asks the foreman, who is that young woman over there? And we shouldn't get hung up on the way he says it. He says, um, whose young woman is that? I think a lot of us reading that, we think this is about, you know, a pat patriarchal society where women are property. Um, actually, if you, if you look through the Bible, it's fairly clear that it actually uses very similar words for men and women. And my grandmother actually did this. She was from Lewis. She, she would occasionally talk about how odd it was she married her husband. And the reason she gave was she didn't know who, she, who he belonged to. In other words, what kind of family did he have? I didn't even know them. They weren't people of any account. I, I didn't know these people that he belonged to. In a, in a society like this, everyone belongs to someone in the sense that they have someone who cares about them, someone who's responsible for them. And, and Boaz is saying, you know, what family is she from? Who, who cares for her, for this lady who's coming to have to pick up grain in my field because she's got nothing else. And he gets the explanation. The foreman says, oh, she's the, you know, you know, you've been hearing the gossip. She's the girl from Moab who came back from Moab with Naomi. And she said, you know, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves. And now she's been hard at it all the morning. You know, she's, she's a hard worker. And Boaz goes over and talks to her. My daughter. You know, he could so easily have said, hey, Moabite, or hey, girl, or you. All sorts of other ways, but he, he goes out of his way to be affectionate here. Don't go away from here. Stay here. In other words, you're really welcome to stay and work in my fields. And also, he says, follow close with my servant girls. Um, watch the field where the men are harvesting. Follow along after the girls. I've told the men not to touch you. We talked last week uh, that this was written at about the time of the judges, a really dark time. There is no government, there is no police force. And it's a time of hideous acts of misogyny and evil. So when he says, I told the men not to touch you, you, you get an impression of just how desperate her situation could be. But he's looking out for her. Come get a drink whenever you're thirsty from the jars, whenever you, you're thirsty from the hard work. She is really shocked. She bows down with her face to the ground and says, why have I found such favour in your eyes that you notice me? It would be so easy for him to turf her out. Or even if he was going to follow God's law and do what he was commanded to do and make sure she was allowed to glean, it would be so easy to do it with such a different attitude, wouldn't it? You know, he could have said to his men, now you make sure she doesn't nick anything while she's around. Don't let her get too close to the stacked grain. He's taken on the lessons of God's law. Be holy, for I am holy. He's taken on the lesson that God wants generosity to people that comes from the heart. And so she says, why have I found such favour in your eyes? She's discovered the favour and unknowingly she's found her Redeemer. Now, 11 to 17, experiencing the Redeemer. Actually, just to pause a moment. Um... 
Part of the, the reason Ruth is written is for us to see, as I said, the goodness of God's commands. Now, all of these agricultural commands, they, they're very different from what we have, aren't they? You know, none of you are going to mow your grass and leave bits for people to pick up. At the same time, we know we have commands for things like generosity and kindness and love. We have all sorts of commands in our lives about that. We have commands in our lives that we find difficult, some of them, whether it is to do with generosity or the way we conduct our lives or our marriages or all sorts of things. And this is just a picture, just to remind us these things for good. So Boaz could have gone and thinking, I could have extra stuff in my field. And instead, he's able to say, and look at Ruth and just what it means for her. It shifts our perspective and we can see that how much better a community would be if people are treated this way. And so, uh, in 11 to 17, experiencing the Redeemer. She's going to really begin to experience what it means to have God's favour through this man. Boaz doesn't say uh, he's doing this because he has to, because it's the law. He says, you know, I've been told all you've done for your mother-in-law. The huge sacrifice you made of leaving your father and your mother and your home and everything. And may God repay you for what you've done. And he says, you know, that there's more here going on with you than kindness. You've come to take refuge under the wings of God. You know, the Bible often compares God to an eagle shielding its chicks with his wings. Jesus even compares himself um, to a hen, you know, which fluffs out its feathers to protect the little chicks. Uh, you know, there are even stories of uh, farmyard fires where they'll, everything is, is killed and destroyed. They go through and you, you pick up the dead hen and discover little fluffy living chicks underneath because they've been protected by the feathers of the, the hen. Boaz is saying, you've come to God's rescue. You've come to shelter with God. And I want to make sure that since you're doing that, I, as part of God's people, am a way of, of you experiencing that shelter. As Jesus said, how often I've longed to gather your children as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Now she is overwhelmed by this kindness. May I continue to find favour in your eyes. You've spoken me comfort and you, you've spoken kindly to your servant. She, she knows that in that society, in that time, she's no status. She's not even a servant. But the kindness doesn't stop there. You know, Boaz has laid on a nice picnic for his workers. They've got bread and got nice wine vinegar to dip it in and a bit of roasted grain. I suppose popcorn would be our closest equivalent. And when they stop, he doesn't just leave her working. He calls her over. He offers her bread and a bit of vinegar. And, and the Hebrew makes this really clear. He actually offers her with his own hands some of the roasted grain. In other words, he's sitting her down saying, you're not different. You're part of us. Come and sit down with all of us. Come and be part of the community. Really sit down and enjoy yourself. Be part of us. And, and he's showing the whole community at the same time to treat her with love and respect. And then as she gets up, she, she has to pack a doggy bag notice because she's got so much. But she goes off to start work again. And Boaz gives some orders to his men. Don't embarrass her. Don't warn her off if she gets too close to those piles of sheaves, the, the stacked grain, in case she might steal one. Do the opposite. Pull out some extra stocks. Make sure she's got plenty. We want to look after her and, and not damage her self-respect. So as she comes in among those sheaves, they, they, would, they would encourage her rather than the opposite. In 18 to 23... 
Ruth and Naomi begin to respond to the Redeemer. Ruth gathers all day. That would be a long day in the fields, and she doesn't stop then. She takes the barley home. She threshes it. Uh, that's uh, a guy in India doing that in modern times, taking that stack of grain and whacking it till the seeds all fall off the stalks. Hard work. And then she takes home uh, an ephah of grain. Uh, I know all of you know that an ephah is 22 litres, or about 40 pints, but just in case you've forgotten, quick reminder. That would be about 20 kilograms. In other words, she's carrying home a shed load of grain for a day's work. And when she carries it home, Naomi is amazed. Uh, And while she's being amazed, Ruth pulls out the doggy bag of food she's packed earlier, so Naomi can have a square meal right now. And Naomi asks, yeah, Where did you glean today? Where on earth did you glean today? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. In other words, I can tell the guy who owned the field you worked in is something else. He took real care of you. And Ruth tells her a bit about this man. And at the end, she finishes off and saying, oh, incidentally, he he was called uh, Boaz. And Naomi, who does know about the rich relative, says, the Lord bless him. She's amazed. And then she says, He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead, which is a funny thing to say, because Boaz hasn't shown them kindness before. He's not, not as he's stopping. These words, he has not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead, are actually something said throughout the Bible as an exclamation about God. I don't know if you remember, if you were here last week, at the end of the chapter, Naomi was bitter. She was empty. She was full of sadness and grief, and she was convinced God was against her. Boaz's actions have reminded her it's not the case. Boaz's actions have reminded her that God is still showing his kindness to her family. And then she says to Ruth, that man is our close relative. He's one of our kinsmen redeemers. That's why I've been using the word redeemer all the way through the passage. In that world without safety nets, God commanded in his law that your closest relatives would have an obligation to look after you. You know, if you have to sell your field in desperation, the the redeemer, the kinsman redeemer, will come and buy it back. If you have to sell yourself into slavery in desperation for food, he comes and buys you back. If you're murdered, he gets justice. If you're in legal trouble, that's the person to sort it out. It's a bit like the, uh, you know, good friend who comes to bail you out uh, when you get in jail in the film. And the subtext here is, this is the guy for them, the redeemer, waiting in the wings. Someone who won't just show them charity, because they've had charity so far. They've had uh, stuff that will give them food for now. But here is a possibility of something more, a real relationship of support and help that will last for a lifetime. Now, of course, Boaz, remember we said the purpose of God's law is partly to show what God is like. Be holy because I'm holy. Show that I'm holy with what you do. Now, Boaz has done that, hasn't he? He hasn't just kept the letter of the law. He's lived out its spirit. He's lived in a way that reflects the God who gave the law. And he shows his kindness in a way that shows God's kindness. Naomi, for for the first time for years, can see God's kindness through what he's done. And there's yet more to come. Because Ruth goes off. She, She stays with the workers to harvest the grain for her. And we come to the final section of the chapter, just a verse, where it says, Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. And if, even if you didn't know there was more to the book, you would know that wasn't the end of the story. They've discovered a redeemer. And she keeps working. 
Something more has got to come, and something more is coming. But that's for next week. Right now, what, what this shows us is, firstly, as we said, the law that might have seemed like a little tiny detail about how you harvest your field was a law given for the people's good to show God's kindness and love. And it did remind Ruth and Naomi about God's kindness and love. When you have an opportunity to show kindness, you have an opportunity to do exactly the same. And when you find God's standards hard to live up to, and they are, you have a reminder that they are high for a good reason. Because they picture a wonderful God of kindness and grace. This little book gives us a picture of what life is like in God's community of his people. When things are done well, when people live God's way, when people on the fringes in desperate need are welcomed in and loved and cared for. Now, I'm sure there were other Boazes in Israel, other redeemers who did their work. But there is no coincidence here. Here we have someone who, by the way he's acting, is picturing what God is like. He is a redeemer, and he comes from Bethlehem. That is not a coincidence. One of Boaz's descendants, of course, is Jesus Christ, the great redeemer from Bethlehem. God uses this pattern. He works deliberately in patterns like this to prepare us, to help us to understand what Jesus will be like when he came. He's showing us that when God sends his rescuer, when God sends his son, he will be a generous one who will care for his people, who will come and redeem them and rescue them. A God who sees those on the fringes in need, in desperation, who sees us when our lives are broken and struggling and comes and self-sacrificially helps us and welcomes us in to the community of his people. You know, if you're a Christian, God has done that. Jesus has welcomed you in. And like Boaz sat Ruth down with the rest of the community, he's welcomed you in to be fed and welcomed and looked after with his people, to be given what you need for the hard times ahead. And just like for Ruth, that wasn't the end of the story. That isn't the end of our story. Because our Redeemer, like Boaz, is not done yet. The story is going to end with a happy ever after. Even though right now, you and I might not be able to feel it. God has rescued us, brought us into his community, given us his spirit. And yet there is so much more to discover as over the rest of the chapters we discover what it is like to meet with God's Redeemer. And all his kindness, and all his graciousness, and all his provision. Let's pray. Father, these are stories of a very distant world, so unlike what we live in. And yet they're stories about real human people, and real human kindness, and affection, and love. And more deeply stories about what you did as you showed kindness through others, as you guided Ruth to that one field where she would find such a welcome. Open our eyes to see how you are guiding us and taking us 
to you and to your people so that we might find the welcome we need. We might find the supplies and the help and the love that we need. Father, we, we don't like thinking of ourselves as needy in the way that Ruth is. But we do need you. And we pray that you would help us to come to you. And then in turn, like Boaz, to show kindness and love to those in need we discover, and those on the fringes, those in trouble. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.